So thank you, worship team, so much. That's not easy to do. And when you're a middle schooler and high schooler, it's certainly not easy to do. So can we thank our worship team today from our Anchor Youth Group today? That's awesome. The more you clap and the more encouragement we give them, the more they'll do it in the future. So there you go. Well, today we start something new, and we're calling it Thy Will Be Done, and uh, that's what we want, right? That's the goal, is to, to know and to follow God's will for our lives, whatever that looks like, wherever that sends us, wherever that takes our, our families and our jobs and our, whatever that looks like, we want God's will to be done, not ours. And the goal really is this that they're the same thing, right? That we start to think these God thoughts well before and right along with what God is doing in our lives. So um, we'll start out today with just a few questions. They're not rhetorical, but you don't have to answer them. If you answer them out loud, um, you'll get extra points. Why is it hard to lose weight? Why is it hard to learn to play the piano? Why is it hard to memorize Bible verses and remember them? I mean, that's a big part of it, right? Why is it hard? Because those things are hard. They're difficult to accomplish, okay? I could go on. The list goes forever. Why why is it hard to build X, Y, Z? Well, if you don't hold those talents, those traits, they're hard, right? And those, those different things, they're hard. And for a lot of reasons, right? Maybe, uh, maybe it's hard to lose weight because you like food. Amen. Right? Maybe you don't have a musical bone in your body. So playing the piano probably isn't in your future, right? Maybe you struggle reading the Bible daily, much less memorizing it. There's a lot of other things that in our lives that are difficult, right? Those are just more physical. We're not talking about why is it hard to be a parent or why is it hard to um, be a kid, right? We don't, we don't talk about those things. But if we don't possess the quality that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks, um, it's, it's the reason we, are, we struggle maintaining the ability to learn those things, to do those things. And some of it has to do with just the God-given talent that we've been blessed with, right? But we can also develop those things. The quality is this. It's discipline. Everybody just, nobody stood up and cheered. (laughs) What in the world? I understand it's not a very popular word or concept for that matter, right? Uh, Because the meaning of the word discipline requires a lot from us, right? Right? And, and if you don't like the word discipline, say training. That's a little less harsh, right? But discipline, by definition, it looks like this. It's control, gaining control by reinforcing behavior, okay? If you have a puppy, you do this all the time. You teach them a lot. That's, you're disciplining them. You're training them. And you reinforce that with a little treat, Right? Give them little treats. And uh, maybe God does not give us little treats when we uh, are disciplining ourselves spiritually, but that's what discipline is. That's the 
the overarching definition of discipline. It's just control that we gain by reinforcing a behavior. And we develop and grow during those times. And, and we, if we reinforce the right things in our life, then we'll be more inclined to discipline ourselves in other areas, right? Because that's what we want. We want to see results. We want to see when we, when we do discipline, I want to see the pounds come off, right? And so if you really truly want to be great at anything, um, the best whatever you're, you're thinking, whether it's just at your job or at, in athletics or in academics or whatever the case is, if you want to be the best, it requires discipline, right? Whether you know it or not, whether you practice it knowingly or not. Professional athletes, they know this um, better than anyone, right? But, you know, they, professional athletes, they, they're, they're blessed with an immense amount of natural ability, and, and very few that uh, others can achieve, but then you place the discipline that they have on top of it and gaining control through the reinforced behavior. They work out to reinforce the, the abilities they have. They eat properly. They sleep and rest appropriately. Uh, they have a high level of dedication that promotes their goals. That's called discipline. So, Variables, different things that it takes to be disciplined, all right? We're going to get off of, this It's not like a harsh thing. It's not a consequences. When we think of discipline, we're thinking, well, I, when, I got, when I was a kid, I got disciplined, I got spanked, right? But now we get grounded and whatever, we take our phones away, those kind of things. But that's not the kind of discipline we're necessarily talking about, although it does apply in the back door. So the variables that go into discipline, and where we're training ourselves to be better at whatever, Okay? It takes time. Discipline takes time. Change does not happen in one day. All right? Think about losing weight. All right? That's not a, I'm not suggesting that. I'm saying think about this. You don't wake up one day and realize that you're overweight right? or you're heavier than you want to be. You just don't. You get there gradually. It takes time and a lot of effort. It took time to get where you were. And so in order to lose weight, what does it take? Right? One session, 45 minutes on a treadmill. That's it. Right? And then the weight just falls off. Six-pack abs, right? That's the way it works. No, it takes a long time. It takes doing it multiple times, but it takes that literal tick-tock time, not the app, but the, the clock, right, uh, of time. And it takes that to establish strong discipline. And it, and it takes being intentional about training ourselves. And that, so discipline takes time. Discipline also takes repetition. Okay? So um, how do you gain weight? You eat. And you eat. And you eat. And you, that's repetition, right? You're reinforcing over and over again whatever it takes. So, uh, and when you, uh, what you eat is a big factor, obviously, uh, like uh, and how quickly you gain weight. Mine is bread. I love bread. I love bread a lot, okay? Can we just talk about it? No, we won't. Um, but uh, how does weight come off? Stop eating bread. No. But weight comes off because you over and over again are doing the practices that it takes to lose whatever your goal is, right? And that requires repetition. Exercise itself is it just revolves around repetitions, right? 
We've got to get five reps of 10, and uh, we've got to do all these things, all these sets, and that's what's going to make us stronger, and that's how it's going to do. Athletes, they, they don't just practice one time, right, and then they're just great at their sport. They don't just go out on a Thursday and think, oh, they make two baskets, and they're like, oh, I'm going to the NBA. No, that's not the way it works. Take LeBron James, right? He's a truly gifted natural athlete. He has been his whole life. He's a decent basketball player. I think we, if you don't know who LeBron James is, you can Google him, well, whenever you want. You probably do it right now if you want. But he chose to play basketball. And when he decided to play basketball and get serious about playing basketball, he didn't just go and play a couple of games and then jump into the NBA draft. It's not the way it works, right? He spent hour after hour shooting shot after shot and dribbling drills and lifting weights, repetition after repetition after repetition. And that's what made him great is because of his discipline. And repetition is a big part of discipline. Time is a big part of discipline. And commitment. Commitment is a huge part. Because we can all take time and we can all do things over and over again. But if we don't commit to doing it, it won't ever work. It takes effort, constant effort, to maintain discipline. You can't work out on Monday mornings only, and then the rest of the week take off and expect great results, right? You have to make up your mind to go in the next day and the next day and keep the repetitions going and take the time that it takes. That's what you have to prioritize your schedule sometimes. You have to rearrange your lifestyle a little bit in order to be committed to your goal. Now, take the word weight loss out and insert your walk with Jesus. Okay? It takes time. It takes repetition daily. It takes commitment to be disciplined in always looking for God's will in our life. Today, over the next few weeks, and honestly, throughout the next year, the theme is going to be to, is looking towards what is God's will for our life. Now, if, if I pulled you, had you raise your hand, and I said, if you knew God's will for your life, would you take it? Like if God just sent you a letter, an email, a text right now and said, this is the next three things that uh, my will for you. Would you take it? You would. You would, it would take it for sure. But why, why doesn't God do that? Because we'll, we'll immediately start to go through the backside of it and try and skip to the end. When we know the story, we know the end, we will get around that somehow and try and fix it ourselves. And that's not time, and that's not repetition, and that's not commitment. So God doesn't do that. He reveals it when we need it, Right? So as we work to become the best Jesus followers we can be, and we work to become closer to the heart and the mission of God, and as we seek to have God's will be done in our lives, we're going to look at some foundational bases that it takes for our Christian walk. And we do this through discipline. We call them spiritual disciplines. Okay? And it's just a way of training ourselves to build a relationship that's better with Jesus than we could ever imagine. Spiritual discipline takes what we know about regular discipline, this gaining control by reinforcing a certain behavior, and, and uh, 
um, just, just like the other areas of our life that we discipline ourselves, it takes time and repetition and commitment to grow closer and, and grow our relationship with Jesus Christ. And just like any other way that we would discipline ourselves, how we train ourselves to improve or grow our relationship with Jesus, these spiritual disciplines, they require a lot of effort from us. It takes effort from us because we're the ones that need all the work, right? God's good. I think that he's pretty perfect. Holy, he, you know, that's, that's, his, that's who he is, right? God doesn't have to work hard at our relationship because Jesus did all the work already. All he does is extend that grace to us and wait for us to accept it, that, that he's seeking us daily, but the work that's on us because we're the ones that need the fixing, right? So over the next few weeks, we're just going to drill down on a couple different spiritual different d- disciplines. There's, there's a lot of them, but we're going to focus on our prayer life, okay? The spiritual discipline of prayer, how we communicate with God the Father. We'll talk about that a little later today. We're going to talk about the practice of fasting, okay? If discipline is not your favorite word, I know that fasting is, right? We love that. It's how we deepen our relationship with God. And, and then we're going to talk about the spiritual discipline of submission, this, this specifically in regards to our giving, our finances, yes, but also in our time and our priorities and the way that we live our lives and how we submit that and surrender to God. So those things, those three things, if if we'll discipline ourselves to do them, <clears throat> they can shape us into a new person that's seeking and finding the will of God for our lives. You might be thinking, well, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to take a few weeks off then, Pastor Paul, because this doesn't sound fun at all. Um, and, but spiritual disciplines sound like, like that's for pastors, right? That's for, that's for the religious guys that uh, you're leading. That's for you, and that's fine. For those theologians, those deep thinkers. That, but here's the thing. Um, that's not how God intended these things to be. When Jesus was here on the earth, he did them over and over again. And he set that example for us. But he's not the first one to pray and fast when he was here on the earth. We have a whole um, Old Testament full and the law and the prophets, 39 books full of examples of fasting and prayer. Uh, Richard Foster, he's an author. He wrote a book called The Celebration of Discipline. And uh, if you're excited about it, you can uh, pick it up. It's a pretty common book, and it's really good. Um, but he, he writes about, um, all about these spiritual disciplines that uh, we're going to talk about and more and, and what that looks like in our journey uh, with Jesus. And he goes deep into how to do them better and what their purposes are. But at the beginning of the book, in the, first, in the second paragraph of, his, of this book, um, he, he must have anticipated people thinking, ah, that's not for me. That's for like priests and pastors and, and, and church leaders and things like that to help uh, get the church where it needs to be. But this is what Richard Foster wrote about the spiritual disciplines in our relationship with Jesus. We must not be led to believe that the disciplines are only for spiritual giants and hence beyond our reach 
or only for contemplative uh, for contemplatives who devote their time in prayer and meditation who devote their time to prayer and meditation far from it god intends the dis- dis- disciplines of the spiritual life for the ordinary human beings people who have jobs people who care for children who wash dishes who mow lawns etc cetera, etc cetera. it just keeps going in fact, the disciplines are the best exercise in the midst of our relationships with our spouses, with our brothers and sisters, and the rest of our families, and our friends, and our neighbors. Because when, when we have a better life and relationship with Jesus, what do you think the rest of our relationships are going to look like? They're going to be better too. So prayer is the first discipline that we're going to talk about. In my humble opinion, it's probably the most important for all of us. So, <coughs> Richard Foster, when he kicks off his, uh, this section on prayer, he says this, in prayer, real prayer, we believe, to th- we begin to think God's thoughts after him, to desire the things that he desires to love the things that he loves, to will the things that he wills. That's what prayer should look like. Meaning that if we pray on the level that we can pray and should pray, we'll find ourselves thinking God thoughts before other thoughts. And we'll find ourselves wanting God things before other things. And we'll find ourselves doing life like God would have us do life. That seems seems pretty incredible, doesn't it? I think that we would all sign up for those things. And that's what prayer and fasting and submission can all do for us if we just take the time to do it over and commit to it. And that's what we're seeking. That's, That's what we desire for our own lives. That's what we desire for our church. It, because it is to find the will of God and seek it out and live it out, to think God things before everything else. Because if we do, it will change lives. It will change your life. It will change the lives of, uh, of those that are around you, and it will point others to Christ. And that's who we are. That's what we're called to be. That's our mission. In the Gospel of Luke... If you want to turn to Luke chapter 11, that's where we're going to hang out for a few minutes. The Gospel of Luke, we had this opportunity to read about how Jesus prayed. And, and, and just real quick before we get to um, Luke 11, the Gospels, they share Jesus' life. They're, they're this testimony and, uh, of all the different accounts of Jesus' life. And uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they lead off the New Testament, and they tell us all uh, the of, of Jesus' life on earth and how he, and what he did over and over again, it talks about Jesus' prayer habits. Jesus, the Son of God. Remember who Jesus is, right? He's God in a body. He prayed. But Jesus still made it a priority, even though he's God in a body, to talk to God the Father. And um, the Gospels, they share about these prayer habits all the time. They're, we- they're weaved in and out of the way that Jesus talked. And they kind of, um, you'll see it, <coughs> excuse me, you'll see it at the beginning 
of our passage today. They just kind of are weaved in and out subtly on the things that Jesus would do. Uh, but it, it, and it will say, um, Jesus often went by himself and prayed. Or Jesus had common places where he went to be alone and pray. That's why Judas knew where to go, right? When Jesus, Judas betrayed Jesus, he knew where he would be. Judas knew he would be there, Jesus would be there, because he'd often went to Gethsemane to pray. It was easy to, he was easy to find because he made it a habit. He took the time and the repetition and committed to doing it. And the disciplines that um, were, uh, one, uh, the, the disciples, they see Jesus praying in this instance, and uh, that, that brings us to where we're at in Luke chapter 11 today. Starting in verse 1, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. That's it right there, that little subtle Jesus prayer habit. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place because that's what he did in a certain place, probably every day, probably multiple times a day, right? When he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. That's the Lord's Prayer, right? It's, it's a, a fairly popular prayer. Many people memorized it, okay? And we see it in, in other cases in Scripture, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6. And uh, we know maybe it looks a little longer. Uh, we've added, for thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power, which we're going to say it as our benediction today, okay? But the disciples, they saw Jesus praying. They wanted to learn to pray. Luke tells us one of the disciples saw Jesus praying. Didn't say which one. We, we can't even guess, right? And he literally watched him as he prayed. And for the record, these guys, um, these disciples, they, they had watched Jesus do a lot of things, right? They saw him pray, but they saw him teach. But they didn't ask Jesus, hey, can you teach us how to teach better? No. They saw him heal people, and they didn't ask Jesus, hey, can you teach us how to heal people? That'd be awesome. Just walk along. Hey, you're healed. Okay. No, that's not what they didn't do that. They, they saw him do miracles, right? But they didn't ask Jesus how to teach them and to make, to feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. That's not what they did. They saw him praying and they wanted to be taught to pray like Jesus prayed. These are also Hebrew men that grew up in a certain culture that, because of their, uh, their lineage, they would have prayed their entire lives. They weren't foreign to prayer. They knew they were supposed to do it. They knew the words to say. But then they saw Jesus praying, and they watched his prayer habits, and they felt like it was important enough to ask Jesus about, hey, are we doing this right? What should we do? Because you don't do it the way we do and let's face it, your life is way different than ours. And we also notice that Jesus didn't condemn these guys for wanting to know how to pray, right? Because remember, at this point, um, they had heard Jesus teach. 
And chances are, all the bullet points of the Sermon on the Mount would have been, um, would have been taught, including how to pray. So how to pray was a part of all that stuff. And Jesus didn't say, eh, have you been paying attention? Because I've been telling you exactly how to pray. No, he, he just lovingly and gracefully said, okay, let's do this. It was something about this moment. They saw Jesus praying. It prompted this, whoever the disciple was to ask them specifically how to pray. Jesus teaches this. How to pray is a hard, teaches how to not just repeat the words that we've been taught as kids, right? I can remember uh, when I worked at College Church, uh, my office, I was the recreation director, my office was in the gym, uh, which, and there's a learning center there, and so you can uh, imagine that the indoor recess for the kids was pretty loud in my office, but their cafeteria was also in there, and every day they would pray. And they would sing their prayers. And it was fantastic because they were teaching those kiddos that it's important to pray, period. It's important to pray for your food, but it's important to pray, period. And they would think, thank you, God, for giving us food, right? And it would be fun for them. And that's what Jesus did. I don't know that he sang his prayers much like that. But the disciples wanted to hear and learn to learn how to pray this heart-driven and honoring, honest prayer. That, that engages a life change and a heart-changing relationship with the God, the Father Almighty. That's what they saw in Jesus' prayer habits. And Jesus gave them this basic outline that we know as the Lord's Prayer of how they should talk to God, right? And we're, we're, we're going to um, unpackage the Lord's Prayer um, and kind of, we're not going to do it entirely today, but here's some quick thoughts about the Lord's Prayer and why we do it, and why it was important when Jesus said, this is how you pray. He said, our Father, and he could have stopped there. That's enough, right? That's, that's who we're talking to. It's the maker of the universe, our Father, the maker of you, the one whose image you are made in. The one whose glory, if we looked at it just like Moses did, if we looked at the very back of it, would have lit us up for weeks, right? The one that holds everything in his hands, yet cares deeply for each and every one of us. And Jesus didn't say, my father. That would have been appropriate, right? Because it was his father. He said, our father, which tells all of us, that he's the father of all. He said, our father, hallowed be your name. Hallowed, right? We use that word at least three times a week, don't you? Yeah. Hallowed, it's not a common word. It just, it means holy. Our father, holy is your name. Okay? Sinless, perfect, all-powerful, and pure. That's who you're talking to when you pray. When you pray for your food, that's who you're talking to, the holy God. Your kingdom come. We want what you want, God. That's what that means. Your kingdom come. We want God things in our life. We want your will in our life. In, in uh, Matthew's version of the Lord's Prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the next part. Luke doesn't give us that, um, and 
Who knows why? That's just a detail that Luke probably didn't get from the people he was interviewing. Matthew heard it over and over again, specifically. So he wrote it down, specifically. But he says, your kingdom come. We want what, we, what you want, God. We desire what you desire. We want a God life over my life. Okay? Then he goes on. Give us today our daily bread. Supply our needs, Lord, for today. For today. Today, I need your strength, God. God, you're all I need for today. Not a mention of tomorrow. He's not worried about, we're not worried about this Friday. Worried about today. And it's, it alludes to the, the daily bread. It alludes to way back in the Old Testament that these guys would have, they would have known what they were talking about when the Israelites were wandering around in the desert. And, and God gave them all manna every day. And it was just enough for today. That's all they got. They were supposed to pick up a certain amount. And if they got two bushels and they were only supposed to get one, the next day it would have been full of maggots. That's awesome, right? Good picture. Okay, take that home with you. Okay? Give us today our daily bread. Because God, you are enough for us. That's all we just need. Your strength today. Get us through today with your strength. That's all he's saying. That's all we need. He says, forgive us our sins. This one can punch you just square in the mouth. And we don't think about it a ton. Sometimes we just, we just pass. We worry about the, the word we use. Because sometimes we say, forgive us our trespasses. Right? Well, trespasses? What's that? Okay, that's an old school word. Forgive us our debts. Right? Forgive us our sins as we forgive those that sin against us. You're saying, God, help us not to dwell on the sins of others. That's none of our business. For we're sinners, okay? We're, we're still sinners. Let's deal with our own sins. And then, God, forgive me for fracturing our, uh, our, your heart with my sin. Okay? Forgive me of my sins. And this is the, this is the hard one right here. God, help me to let go of the things that others have done to me. Okay? This is huge, right? This will allow you to live your life free of the past if we forgive. As God's forgiven us, right? Who's not a sinner here? Raise your hand if you don't sin, right? Okay. Nobody's, nobody's, for all those online, nobody has their, their hand up, okay? We've all sinned. God's never sinned. He's pure and holy, right? Hallowed be your name. He's holy. Forgive us our sins. Let's worry about us and what we do. And then forgive as we forgive. We're doing it at the same time. God, forgive us as we're forgiving everybody else who has done us wrong. That is hard. That's the hardest thing in the world to let go of. And we all, every one of us, have a, a something in our life, a someone in our life that we will not or don't want to forgive. But forgive us, Lord. Right? That's what we want. We, we want God's will in our life. If that's what we're seeking, forgive us our sins as we're forgiving those that sinned against us. I know it's hard. I'm living there right there with you. 
But if we, if we do, if we allow, we, we, this will allow you to forgive your life free of the past, and we don't want to live there. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. We want to be looking forward. And next week when we talk about fasting, you don't ever fast for the, for the past, right? You fast for the future. You usually don't pray, God, please change what I did 10 minutes ago. You pray for the future. You're looking forward. And Jesus was saying, this is something that's necessary for us to do. And lead us not into temptation. God, please go before me. Help me to take the right steps and not turn to the left or the right. And to be ready for what will come my way. God, prepare my heart when the world and when Satan works to be the primary influence in my life. Because that's what God needs to be, as the primary influence. Lead us not into, don't, don't even take us by the window of temptation. We don't want to see it. Such a simple prayer. Lots and lots of people, that people we say it, you say it in, at the beginning of a football game, right? Or after a football game. It doesn't matter how religious you are. People that are not religious or saved or follow Jesus or even know Jesus' name most of the time, they know that prayer. So it's so simple. And if we do what it says, it totally stares us in the direction of God's will for our lives. So a couple questions as we wrap up today. And it's not, why is it hard to lose weight? That was the first how are you at praying? Are you good at praying? Right? Do you, do you feel weird when you pray? Like, I'm all by myself. Who's hearing me, right? I can't do it in my head. I say it out loud, it's even more weird, right? How do you feel when, there, when you, you feel like there's a standard to our prayers? Like, do we have to say certain words? Do I have to be in a certain posture? Do we have to um, have something in our life just right before we pray? The answer is no, right? What you say, you know, again, who are we talking to, right? We, we want to take that into account. But if you got to get loud with God, he can take it. If, you got, if you're going to complain to God about all the things that are in your life that really probably aren't, well, not probably, they're not his fault. They're usually decisions that we've made, that the mess that we've gotten into, maybe the mess that somebody else has caused for us. That's not God's fault, but we're going to unload on God. He can take it. So say it out loud to him. Your posture you know, bow your, eye, bow your heads, close your eyes, and let's pray, right? That's reverent. Don't do that when you're praying, going down the road. Please. Many of you do. I watch you. I drive behind you. I'm just kidding. Because my eyes are closed too. Your prayers count just as much when your eyes are open as when they're closed. And when you're sitting in your car or if you're running on the treadmill, or if you're walking down the street. Because God doesn't care about where your, your knees are. He cares about where your heart is. 
So how are you at praying? Do you pray? That's pretty important, right? Do you pray? Would you say that you discipline yourself to pray? Like, I'm doing this today. Our faith promise revolves around the 222 prayer where we take time to pray at 222, if that's what you do. In, a, in our district, Pastor Jim, at 1002, he had a prayer to, to call for workers because the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are a few. And that was a reminder for all of us to keep praying for, to bring more people along. So there's, there's those ideas where we take literal time to pray. But do you discipline yourself to pray? Do you give the time that it takes, whatever that looks like? Do you give the repetition that it takes and the commitment that it takes to have the spiritual discipline of prayer in your life that reaches forward into our life looking for the will of God? It's not, prayer is not there just to put a Band-Aid on all the dumb stuff that we've done, right? It's there to help us be a better Jesus follower, and to do what he does, and to think like he thinks, and to love like he loves. And that'll fix all that other dumb stuff we've done. Amen? No matter where you are in your prayer life, this is the place to start. Our Father, holy is your name. If that's the far as you get, that's enough. Just say it over and over again until it permeates your heart. Because that's, that's what he is. That's who you're talking to. If we have, uh, well, we have this outline, this full outline of how we should pray, it's the key to our whole relationship with God. It's that you pray. If you get <coughs> in, I use this, you know, in a relationship, in your relationship with God, if you don't talk to him, how are you going to grow? If you got married and you didn't ever talk to your spouse, How's that relationship going to look? I'm not talking like um, small talk or uh, the deep uh, decisions that you have to make. I'm talking about just talk, right? Talk about what you did. Talk about what you saw on TV. If you don't talk to your spouse, your relationship will just be stuck in the mud right there where you started. There's no different than your relationship with God or any other friendship that you have. Your best friend for however many years, how did that happen? Talk to them, right? And they talk back. And that's what prayer is all about, is that we speak to God and he speaks back. Now, part of prayer is listening, okay? And that's important too. And we, we have this uh, great outline that Jesus gave us. These words, just in case we weren't sure where to start, our Father, holy is your name. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to explore the benefits and the blessings of prayer because prayer and fasting, they work together, right? These, these spiritual disciplines, they all kind of weave in together, but prayer is at the base of all of them. When we're going to submit this, the spiritual discipline, of, we're going to train ourselves to submit to God in everything that we do and surrender to him, what do you think is at the base of that? Prayer. So we're going to explore how it builds our relationship with God and how God responds to our prayers and how prayer contributes to all of the other things in our lives. So let's begin to discipline ourselves. Sound fun, right? 
Let's begin to train ourselves to pray. Start, right? The challenge, uh, let, let's just challenge ourselves to be disciplined. And if you want to start in other areas of your life too, great. But take time to pray. If you don't pray at all, start with three minutes. Start with 30 seconds. Whatever, start somewhere, right? If you, don't, if you pray a lot, find a way to be more intentional about expanding that for more than what you do. Stretch yourself. That's how faith grows, right? When we stretch ourselves, invest, engage in this repetition of prayer, right? Pray multiple times a day. Pray the same prayer over and over. Pray the Lord's Prayer over and over. But engage in the repetition in taking this time to pray and invest in the commitment that it takes to pray. If you don't see results after one prayer, just stop and do something else. No, press on. That's commitment, right? If you don't get the answers that you want, press on. Keep praying. Commit to it. If you do get the answer that you want, that gives us a great opportunity to pray and be thankful for what God has done. So continue to press on and commit to prayer. And lo and behold, it will become a habit. You will notice when you don't do it. That's what habits are, right? If you don't shower and clean up every once in a while, someone's going to notice. Hopefully you notice, right? That's what you want. Those habits, those are important. Prayer is no different. If you don't want your prayer, if you don't want your relationship with God to stink, start praying, okay? The real challenge is this. Follow through and pray. Do it. Right? And see if God just sits by and does nothing. Because I guarantee you, He won't. Because if we discipline ourselves to communicate with God, He will completely overwhelm our lives with blessing. And if it's not the blessing of, uh, I won the lottery and I got everything I prayed for and all this is taken care of and XYZ, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the peace, the knowing that God is in the center of our life. When all that other stuff is taken care of. So today, let's finish by praying this prayer together today. We all can stand uh, as we pray our benediction together. It's on the screen. It may be a little different than the way that you learned it. So if you pray with your eyes open to read it off the screen together, that's okay. All right? Let's all pray. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those that sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Go and be blessed. Have a wonderful day praying as a discipline. God bless you all. Have a great afternoon.